You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another episode of Zen. And the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we help you go long on endurance and learn a little bit about yourself along the way. All right, we've got a really cool show. We have a bike tip that will keep you from ruining your frame like I almost did. We have Who Was Dogen and What Is Zen Key? It's not Zen, exactly, and it's not Kai, it's Zen Key which is this, uh, to Westerners, a little-known concept. It's pretty cool. And we have a little bit on how to use systems to overcome ADHD. And even if you don't have ADHD, if you're not distracted all the time, how you can use what people with ADHD have learned to help you get all this triathlon stuff done. Because as a triathlete, you are very similar (laughs) to somebody with ADHD because you've got a lot going on. You're training for three sports all at once. And also, I cover a new special fuel that really blows the doors off anything that I've tried so far. It's towards the the end of the podcast, and I've been uh, Instagramming about it and posting it on, on Twitter, some of my results. But this stuff was allowing me to get in 300 and something calories per hour no stomach issues, and I did a uh, two days back-to-back, um, three-hour brick, and the second day I did even longer, uh, three, almost three and a half hours, three hours and 15 minutes brick, uh, two-hour bike, one-hour run kind of thing, and was putting out numbers that I, I went back and looked at, and I haven't done in two years, or and that's as far back as I look, so it may be even, you know, ever, it seems to be ever, uh, 271, 272 watts on the bike for two hours in zone two, high end zone two, but still zone two, 135, 138 beats per minute. I mean, absolutely crazy stuff. And that is at the, uh, the back end of the podcast, but you got to follow all the stuff to kind of get there, follow the path. And also I wanted to mention, um, I owe salt stick a double promo because I think last episode I forgot to mention them at all and that is uncool because I use their stuff all the time. Uh, Sunday's workout was actually kind of warm and I lost four pounds in in, uh, in four hours, three and a half hours, even though I was drinking uh, about a liter or so an hour. It's just I'm not heat adapted because it's the middle of winter and we just had this uh, rogue uh, warm day. And so uh, yeah, I sweated like crazy and not only was I doing uh, some salt stick in my drink, this uh, fuel that I added to it and it worked just fine. So there's a, and this drink that I talk about towards the end of the show uh, doesn't have much sodium in it, it has half a gram. And I uh, needed more than that. And the, uh, so not only did I add it to my uh, fuel drink thing, but also um, I did these workouts in the morning and was um, later in the day to preemptively strike um, getting super dehydrated and everything 
I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to take some salt stick caps. They're just these little capsules that, um, that will uh, re-up, <laughs> is that a word? That will re-up my, uh, my sodium level since I've sweat everything out. And the cool thing about salt stick is it has everything. It has potassium, magnesium, like all this stuff. And it's the same ratio of stuff that you sweat out. So you're putting back in whatever you sweat out. So it's perfect. And, but I didn't want to drink like salty, uh, you know, like slurry of just, just salt water. I, I was over that. I didn't want that. So I was, uh, I would have a drink of water or carbonated water. Or I drink Diet Coke on occasion. And I would just pop a, uh, a salt cap and it doesn't taste like anything. It tastes like a capsule. There's, it's, uh, the salt's inside of it. You can't taste it. And it was great because then I woke up this morning and, and uh, peed and, and everything was uh, the right color. And I was all hydrated and feeling uh, really, really good in spite of, um, in spite of uh, what I did to myself yesterday. So salt stick is the best. You can find them online. You can, if you live in the United States, you can go to saltstick.com and go to uh, that website slash Zentry, all one word, saltstick.com slash Zentry, Z-E-N-T-R-I. Go there and they uh, have a pop-up box. It pops up and it says, what's your password? And you can go in there and type your uh, top secret uh, super password, which is Zentry (laughs) is the password as well. And that gets you in and then you get a discount off the um off buying them online which is really really cool and salt stick emailed me and said you zentri listeners were the second most referenced uh uh purchasers of salt stick stuff of all their online things so one heck yeah two no we don't go for second place man we got to go for first place we do the gold medal we want gold. And let's uh, see if we can get back up to uh, first place again. But anyway, a huge shout out to Salt Stick and um, their capsules. And they really do work. I only pick up sponsors that I actually use their stuff. And this was a easy one to get with. And they're proud to be with us and I'm proud to be with them. So go check them out. Uh, if you're outside of the uh, United States, then um, the... The discount's not available, but you can still find where they are uh, located. There's a store locator on their website, so you can go check them out, all right? Okay, that's enough of that. Let's go ahead and get started with the show. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite Training Log Zone. Kuneli. Hi, everybody. My name's Brett. I'm a trap. Hi, I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! I'm going to do sit-ups till I poop myself. All right, we are going to talk briefly about how we can use lessons learned from people with ADHD, successful people with ADHD, um, how to implement that those skills with uh, triathlon training and life in general and people with ADHD uh, activity uh, hy- basically they're kind of hyperactive attention deficit disorder and there's a um, there's a few podcasts out there uh, that I've been listening to with experts that uh, start sorry I got a loud car over here that start 
uh, talking about ADHD is actually a gift. It's actually makes you uh, better than average if you harness it correctly. And it goes back to the the idea that uh, there's a theory that just like people are different race colors and people are different um, genetic dispositions to different personalities and such such things, that people with ADHD are just wired uh, to be more uh, hyper and uh, of sorts or distracted. And that's actually a good thing. It's useful in society to have a certain amount of people that are like that. And that's um, very, uh, sounds to me very reasonable um, because these people would supposedly take the roles in the tribe of, of being on alert. <laughs> and you have a lion with ADHD or a deer with ADHD and it's going to warn you that there's a lion coming. It can sense it because it's up anyway and it's doing something. And so the, these genes get passed down and they're just a thing. Uh, in today's society, we have everybody needing to be pretty much exactly the same. Uh, like, say, in a classroom, everybody needs to sit and listen, right? And not, not enough variability in our society. And things are slowed down. you got to wait in lines and, you know, a whole bunch of stuff like that. And it ends up being a problem for people that are wired differently. And if, it, if they were like computers, it would be like their, their processor uh, runs faster than normal. And that can be both good and bad. It can run hot and cause problems. Um, and people with unmanaged ADHD uh, can cause problems in society. If you don't, like I said, un- if it's unmanaged, if you don't manage it uh, smartly, is that a word? But anyway, oh, I was supposed to take a right turn and the road is closed and the car is getting hot. So I was listening to some productivity podcasts and they, they had a guest on, I guess. Uh, this was a while back uh, with that talked about ADHD being, and his podcast that he runs, ADHD being a gift, and all these super famous people that are super successful that have ADHD, and it's because they do more than average because they've learned uh, these systems I'm about to tell you to get it done, get things done correctly. And two of the podcasts... If you got a pen and paper, you can write this down later, is uh, faster than normal. And I don't know, this is just a guy that's, you know, super freaking hyper. <laughs> and, um, but all the stuff he gets done because he manages it. And then another one is called the Distraction Podcast with Dr. Ted something. And he talks about how to, um, how ADHD can be a gift. And he's much more calm and, uh, and has success stories of people managing it and uh, all the things that they can do in life. This is great because whether or not you have ADHD, if you are trying to get triathlon done in your life, it is very similar to having ADHD because you have multiple things going on at the same time. And you're also trying to balance it with everything else. And it's easy um, to get distracted and forget where you were, where you left off, uh, all, all this stuff that's typical of ADHD. You can't stay focused on one thing, which again, if that's the way you're wired, uh, let's try to use it to your benefit. And uh, once I got my uh, used to that, that phrase, you know, ADHD can be a gift, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool because I was probably... Uh, I've never been professionally diagnosed. Well, I've been diagnosed, but it was just kind of uh, 
offhanded and you know, there have been like serious testing and stuff like that just by a description if you if I fill out tests <laughs> and go see a doctor they're like oh yeah you got it but anyway um, there's a uh, the Jocko Willink podcast it's not about ADHD whatsoever but he talks about he's a Navy SEAL ex-Navy SEAL commander and that discipline brings freedom and Unfortunately, we're behind a Mustang with uh, off-road pipes on it, or racing pipes. The um, the discipline and freedom. If you have discipline and you get things, you get the right things done. All of a sudden, you have the freedom to do all, all, all so much more in life. And it's kind of like engineering, right? If you engineer a structure or a road or a design of something correctly, it opens up more opportunities to do even more it doesn't hold you back it doesn't just do the job it does it engineering is like taking advantage of things you know it's like engineering would tell you you pull a rake towards you not push it away (laughs) for example it's like how do i use this tool so the um yeah you could rake a yard by pushing the rake but engineering says you know pull it towards you and it'll work a whole lot better right so if you do things a whole lot better everything works better now um Discipline is freedom. And then the other one that I, I think I heard it on one of these podcasts, the, uh, the ADHD podcast. Oh, wow. He's going strong. Is, my gosh, is uh, systems. Systems are the cure for ADHD in a way. There's a way to manage ADHD. And what that means is you have to systematize things. You have to have so that one thing follows another, follows another, and reminders built in. And then once you have this set up, then you can, um, you're no longer depressed and shackled with the frustrations of forgetting things. So a system would be on my, I have a to-do list that works on a web browser and on mobile devices, and it's all networked together. So I don't have to, if I remember, if I think of something, I can write it down and in my phone, for example, if I'm out on a jog and then it'll show up at my desktop and it'll show up at my desktop at work and it'll show up on my laptop because it's uh, one that uploads to the web. There's one called OmniFocus that only works on the Mac. It does not work on the web or anything like that. And that's a no-go for me, right? That's a bad system. It's not really a system. It's just a thing. And, um, Another one is a wake-up routine. And when I wake up, I have a checklist of things that I do. And the system, the uh, to-do app, is called Todoist. And that system, I have it so that when I check off these things and I put a comment on it and it timestamps it, it also regenerates the task for the next day because I will get distracted and forget to write down the task for the next day and it automatically does it for me. And that is really, really cool. All right, we need to uh, come back to this. I've got a meeting to run into at work, but let's see, let the face ID work on the iPhone. I wanted to mention a message on Instagram. Uh, Randy Van, Randy Van Veltoven, Van Veltoven, Randy Van Veltoven, which is really difficult, but fun to uh, type. Uh, uh, he's on Instagram. He said that he just listened to my last podcast 
and he's really in his intro right now. I think he might be a new listener. And so like he's discovering like this, this gem, this hidden gem out there of all this Zen talk and productivity stuff buried under all this triathlon and endurance talk. And, uh, so he's really enthusiastic and he said, Hey, I just listened to your last podcast and I loved it. Exclamation point. Funny how you always say W E W to the E R K W E R K. Cause that's where I got to go in right this minute. W to the E R K because it is Dutch for the word work. Smiley face. Cheers from Amsterdam. Exclamation point. And that is really cool. I did not know that. I wrote back. I'm going to pretend like I already knew that. <laughs> uh, because that's what I like to say. It's a Zen. Um, it's a Zen trick. A Zen pro tip. Is that if. Um, I love my job. So it's not going to say that I don't like my job. But if to make something. Uh, to make it feel like something doesn't have ownership over you, you realize that it is separate from you and you name it. You can point at things and name it. And the famous one that I've used on the show forever is I see you hill. So when you're struggling going up the hill, you are not the pain. The pain is caused by the hill. And then when you can say, well, it is not me. There's nothing wrong with me. The pain is caused by the hill. The hill is separate and it's going to pass. This too shall pass is another Buddhist thing. And Zen comes from Buddhism. And um, I named work because, I mean, if I had my druthers, I would rather be out riding my bike or out for a jog, you know, but I got to go in, I got to go into work. Work does not own me. Therefore, to, re- to remind myself of that, I give it a funny name and I kind of disrespect it a little bit by not spelling it correctly. Instead of spelling it W-O-R-K, I spell it W-E-R-K. <laughs> And that way it's a reminder that I control it. I control its name even. And every time I uh, say, I gotta go into W to the E-R-K, into work, then I own work. It does not own me. And that is the other half of my pro tip. We're gonna come back in a second and talk more about uh, pro tips on productivity and ADHD and things you can do, but that'll take just a second. I got some meetings to go to. All right, be right back. All right, we are back. We're going to talk about this crazy weekend of training that I did and how this fuel, this uh, hydrogel Mwatton stuff actually worked out, and it worked out really, really well. Um, I'm in my car, but we're not going to run the motor just now. Uh, I'm leaving a, a one-on-one meeting with a candidate to become Eagle Scout. And I'm the scoutmaster for the Boy Scout Troop, so I got to meet with him and review all of his stuff and ask him questions, make sure he's eagle caliber. And he, he is, man. He's awesome. So I was in my car driving home, and I made notes about this uh, fueling stuff. So I thought I'd uh, go ahead and record this bit while I'm on the, on the move here, and I'm outside of the house so that I don't get uh, jumped by Emily and Kai wanting... Uh, <laughs> wanting and needing things and and uh, the dogs and the cat you know all that stuff so anyway on saturday i did a brick i did a saturday uh saturday i did a bike and then a run i did a two-hour bike one-hour run and if things went well then my plan was to do it again on sunday i had pretty much a free weekend sort of to uh do this kind of stuff and today's sunday it's sunday afternoon now and based on recent bike workouts, I thought I would just target um, 
a, you know, like zone two heart rate. So in the one thirties and then, um, just kind of see where that lands me. But I had a suspicion it was going to be 250, 260 Watts. And, um, also, um, I'm targeting that anyway. I'm happy that, that, that it's ending up that way because I figured out, I think I may have mentioned before, that I need uh, 250, maybe 255, supposedly, uh, watts on the bike to um, average to um, qualify for Kona, to have a five-hour bike ride. And uh, I was, I got on the bike and started pedaling uh, Saturday morning and was so excited to see that I was quickly up into uh, 270 watts or so. And I was watching a YouTube video about um, the history and life of Dogen, who is, uh, I think we just talked about him a minute ago. And then um, also uh, maybe a YouTube video. Oh, uh, GTN and and GCN and I don't know, stuff like that. Uh, oh, um, uh, uh, Triathlon Terran's video review of the, uh, the touchless uh, bike trainer, the Stack, S-T-A-C. So just lots of stuff, watching videos and just keeping a, a nice, even cadence. And if you go on Strava and look at my... Um, my bike workout for that day it looks like it looks like a plat i mean it's just a flat line it's awesome just consistent really hard to do actually to sit there and, and crank out a very even um ride but anyway i did two hours and uh averaged 271 watts on this fuel and the way i set up my fuel was uh one water bottle per hour. So I, I broke it into two different water bottles. Some of you may be going, what? Why is that weird? Or why is that interesting? And it's, well, because in Ironman training, a lot of times you pour all your fuel into one or two bottles, maybe three as a concentrate. And I thought I'd follow the instructions and uh, do what it says for testing. And then I can, I can, um, and they say, you know, uh, break this up into one water bottle per hour. Uh, and, um, I, uh, so yeah, I was just following the instructions and I think that was it. That's all I had in there. And cause it's got half of a gram of sodium in it already. So I didn't add any salt. I just figured, you know, I just kind of see what it does and how it goes. And, um, it was cool weather. And so I've got the window cracked open really big. And, um, and then on the run, it was cooler weather. It wasn't hot. It wasn't even really that warm. It was just kind of, it was like 50, 60 degrees maybe. And um, so anyway, uh, this bike ride, I was just cranking along, just feeling fine. And um, also I drink another water bottle per hour along with it. So I drink like, uh, I don't know, maybe a liter and a half per hour. That's my sweat rate. Um, just regular temperature. And then um, high zone two, so around 138, 139. I think I averaged 135. Um, and I was just like super happy that it was all working out like this. I was uh, doing 20 more watts than what I need for, uh, for Kona. And, uh, but it, again, this is only a two hour ride as opposed to a five hour ride. And so these Watts would definitely come down, um, for 
a um for a five hour run but so it's it's in line right they would come down and and uh to 250 instead of 270 something and i'd be good but what i'm really watching for this stuff is supposed to allow you to put down a ton of calories and not get sick and i had no problems and i was like man i'm doing 300 i think it's 320 calories per hour i barely feel anything like it's it's really just going down super easy and um then on the run um this is the crazy thing on the run um i've got i'm like i'm gonna try i'm gonna try full throttle on the run too i'm gonna try 320 calories on the run usually on the run you do like half of the calories you did on the bike but i'm like you know what i'm just gonna see what i'm, I'm going for broke man i'm gonna see if i can break my body on this and so i ran uh for an hour i did a brick run and uh ran for an hour um with uh drinking 320 calories and i've got this uh i got 20 ounces of water on me so i've got the fuel broken up into 20 ounces uh like two different flasks uh 10 10 ounce flasks flasks and so i'm just jogging along you know um and i'm noticing that i'm feeling great and i had one of my better runs than usual recently and um just cruising along uh one thing that you probably already know, but if you're going to do a brick workout, go ahead and get all your run stuff completely together. Because when I did, that was all yesterday. And um, then today when I was doing my brick run, <laughs> couldn't find my running shoes for like three minutes. I was like, where the hell are they? And they were way under my bed. But uh, anyway, so you can tell how much if you had your feeling right by how you feel the rest of the day. And the rest of the day felt pretty good. Um, I was craving salty foods. And I was like, okay, um, then add more salt into, more sodium, and into your um, into your fuel for uh, day two. So let's see, got up this morning, Sunday morning, and did the same thing. And instead of watching videos, I decided to uh, ride on... Zwift, and um, I'm I was wrapping up my Zwift ride and and shot a short little video and put it on Instagram and uh, Zwift or Go Zwift on uh, Twitter and Instagram retweeted it or reinstagrammed it whatever and boy dude that video has been last time I checked over nine hundred I think it's a thousand times uh, people have looked at the video and it's just you know a screen uh, my legs going up and down and the screen of me uh blowing by people because the fuel was working so good and um i said something like uh i want i'm trying to average 271 watts 272 watts or whatever uh one more watt than yesterday and that was a mistake by the way i got greedy with it and i tried to average one more watt than the than the day before i don't know where i got that idea you know, and um, so it ended up biting me in the butt on the run. I'll tell you about that in a second. But um, but that really wasn't the whole. The fueling is the whole point of this workout to see if it worked. So I'm uh, a squirrel moment here. There's a uh, there's a guy walking down the street with both hands up in the air, like he's calling a touchdown. That's like what he's doing. That's like his thing. <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Anyway, I'm a bike ride um, and. Uh, Zwift is way more like the real world um, because you go up and then down and you can coast and 
you get suckered into trying to catch people and stuff like that. And so I'm uh, also running my bike computer at the same time instead of what Zwift shows on the screen so I can make sure that my average watts are, are what I want, 272. And the whole time I'm riding, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, And this isn't just the fuel. It's also um, the the fact that I got a smart trainer which when you ride Zwift and stuff like that, it's way more controllable. It's the fact that I've been riding a trainer a ton. It's the fact that I cut back on my huge volume back to a smaller volume, and then you can do better workouts. And I've been injured on the run, so I've been biking more, uh, but more focused workouts. And so all this, um, and then also I quit doing all the uh, the low fat or low carb, high fat stuff, and um, like the regular way that people have been doing it. And then... All, all this bike training is fantastic. Like it's, it's making my, um, it's, it's exactly what you would predict, you know, an improvement of 20, 30, 40 Watts, you know, or probably like six months or something like that. And, um, but still I'm just like, wow, this is awesome. Before I got on the bike this morning, I was reading an article by uh, Cody Beals and he was like, this is all weight dependent. Right. But he was saying that he does, uh, 230 to 250 watts on his longer rides you know <laughs> i'm like dude i'm doing 270 but again it's not one of my longer rides and i probably weigh um 30 40 more pounds than he does right now but um anyway the the ride went fine and then i decided to go one watt more average and then 10 i did want to go 10 minutes longer um that's not getting greedy i just want to go a little bit longer and test the fuel out uh you know build on yesterday and then um, going longer and doing more power, that's dumb. I shouldn't have done that. But then uh, I got my stuff together and took off on the run. Same thing as the uh, day before. Oh, on before I started my workout, I took some Hornet juice. And on the second bike bottle, second hour's bottle, I did um, Hornet juice in that too. And what's really interesting, this hydrogel... You can't tell that it's a hydrogel until it reacts with acid, your stomach acid. Then it turns into a gel and slides past your stomach and into your intestines. And uh, hornet juice is an amino acid, right? So it's got acid in there. And I think that's why when I was shaking up the uh, second water bottle, I was looking at it, there was tiny bits of what looked like um, gel in there. Not a ton, just tiny little bits kind of mixed in. And I was like, oh, I wonder if it started trying to turn into a hydrogel. It wasn't a problem, but if it started trying to turn into a hydrogel a little bit uh, because of the acid and the amino acid in the, um, in the hornet juice. Interesting, huh? And then I um, started running and immediately on the run, I noticed I was uh, way faster than yesterday but it was psycho, know, psychological or the fact that I ran fast uh, the day before that kind of opened up the legs. So I'm running along, and plus the hornet juice, by the way, which we'll talk about in a minute. But then um, I'm running along, and I'm, uh, I started off too fast. And also it's a lot warmer. It's about 10 degrees warmer than yesterday. And, and humid, humid, which makes it even worse. And... I'm uh I'm running along and uh about 2 miles maybe two and a half miles into my run and I was going to run an hour and 5 minutes like 10 minutes longer on the bike 5 minutes longer on the run 
that's how you build to like get your way up to like five hours of stuff in a row. And uh, you just do 10 minutes here, five minutes there, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, just add it on to what you did before. Uh, that way you've got the experience of what you did before and you just go a little bit further. And the, um, I started getting shooting uh, cramps kind of like through all my leg muscles. And I was like, man, you went too hard. Uh, because there's all this debate about cramps, about being uh, sodium, dehydration, uh, but actually cramps is almost always overuse first. That's the first problem. And then um, then the other little, the other things are like smaller factors. And you're going too hard. And uh, so I was like, uh, it has been proven that if you stop and stretch out the muscle, that helps some. And it did. I stopped and stretched out my hamstring. And then I said, well, I guess... We're gonna have to slow down, and because I had plenty of energy, um, which means the fuel was working, and I was in a good mood, so the fuel is working, and um, then uh, I'm worried somebody's pulling up to me that is uh, they might recognize me, <laughs> and then we're gonna have to talk. Probably is, and then. Um, totally is oh my gosh are they gonna turn around nope anyway i didn't want to interrupt our, our conversation between you and me and then um there's another thing that's uh interesting is uh the cramp was really really the worst the one that made me have to stop for a minute and stretch everything out was left hamstring and I mean, that one was like, that was it. That was the nail in the coffin. And at that point, I was running on the right side of the road because I got this real loopy uh, run uh, situation that I run on and these, asphalt, these narrow asphalt streets. And I end up on the right side of the road half the time and on the left side of the road half the time. There's hardly ever any traffic, so it's, it works out great. And, um, and this happened after I was running uphill. So this is a tip. Uh, for those of you out there that start getting a cramp in your legs, let's say you're running. Um, if you are running on once, whatever side of the road you're running on is lower. So let's say I was running, most of us are running on the left side of the road. You'll notice that your right leg will actually start cramping faster. And that's because the road is higher on your right side. If you're running on the left side of the road, the road's a, crowns, crowns, and then comes up. And um, now, in a weird way, there's more road for you to push off of. It's higher on your right side. And it's more available. It's kind of like a little hill. So it's like presented itself to you. And so you actually work harder on your right side because there's more road for you there to put. You don't know you're doing it, but it's there for you to push off of. And... Um, so what you should do if you start cramping on one side is switch to the other side of the road and that'll take the load off that side, uh, that's cramping and put it on the other side and give your cramping and side a break and slow down. And I did that. I've learned this from just, oh my God, so much ultra running and running stupid. And the, um, and it did. I backed off the pace and switched sides of the road. And then I noticed immediately it was a way, way better. And then, um, I mean, these were cramps that were like so bad 
that they were they were um, run ending. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to freaking walk home. And then I was like, no, just back off the pace, switch sides of the road, and let's see what happens. And uh, after a few minutes of running, uh, no, I was still running uh, sub 10. I was running like a mid 9, low 9 at times, and uh, which is a good pace. And then, because um, uh, at one point I was running like high 8s or something like that. And then uh, the cramping went away. But I knew that if I pushed the pace, like, on an uphill or anything like that, that I'd be toast. In fact, there was one uh, steeper, sh- very short, steep uphill that I walked so that I wouldn't um, push myself too hard. So I ended up averaging a 9.10 minute mile, 9 minute and 10 seconds minute mile. Well, yesterday I averaged an 8.45. And um, so I went slower on my run today. Um, but I did run five minutes farther. And um, this is the thing about the fuel. 320 calories on the run and with not that much water, uh, 20 ounces of water over an hour and I'm already dehydrated and it's hot. I was, I had sweat, uh, dripping just off the brow of my visor, you know, just every second, like, like another drop, drop, just sweat coming. I was soaking wet just from sweat. Um, it's really hot. And the, um, and 320 calories of carbs, simple carbs, and then maltodextrin is kind of a complex carb in a weird way. And my stomach didn't hurt. I never felt sick to my stomach. Never. Not once. And I was like, wow, this stuff works. Holy cow. Uh, oh, and then um, I did up the salt, uh, which helped. And the um, I did salt stick. Um, I put a capsule of salt stick in each... In, one of my water, each of my water bottles and half of one in the, um, in the, uh, the fuel I was drink, drinking all on the run. So I was up in the salt and I can tell after my, um, workout today that I'm not craving any salty foods or anything like that, which meant I nailed the, um, the, or I better, I don't know if I nailed it, but I did much better on, um, the amount of salt. Because we got some Doritos in the house, right? And I was like, I had some, and then I was kind of like, eh, I'm not interested, dude. That's a huge sign that uh, if you don't take enough sodium on your uh, during your longer workouts, um, you'll start craving salt the rest of the day, and even the next day, you can tell. And then um, you'll start craving it on the during the workout. You'll be like, man, I wish I had some French fries and a hamburger, like savory foods. That's what it is, is you're low on uh, sodium. You need to up your sodium in your, um, in your workout stuff. Salt stick. And then the, um, now what I did notice that was bad, but not, not bad at counting against the fuel, was I started developing towards the end of the run, I started developing a sharp pain lower down, like in my abdomen, but below my stomach. Now, what that is, is when you, when your fuel doesn't have enough water to go with it, your stomach your guts or your stomach tries to draw water um, out of your body through the wall of whatever organ it's in. So like through your, either your intestine or your stomach and it's struggling to get it. So it's pulling hard. That's what that sharp pain is. It's a hypertonic pressure, hydrotonic, I forgot what it's called, but it's something, uh, anyway, it's pressure and that's, it's, it's a sharp pain. And that means that, You've got stuff there that wants water and you don't have enough water there. And so, and on 
one hand, you could be like, oh, the fueling failed. No, I was not, I was not taking in enough water for sure. And so of course I was going to develop some sort of water problem. But the, um, the, the thing I was so excited about was like all that stuff made it past my stomach and was now in my intestines. And that's where it was starting to get stuck. And I walked in the house when I was done, drank a glass of water and, um, uh, the pain stopped before I even went into the house and it was just a light pain, but it was like, mm, you know, this is starting to, you need water to, um, to digest this stuff. And, uh, as soon as I went inside, I drank a glass of water and then, oh, I drank a glass of wine too, like a medium, small to medium glass of wine to like to celebrate. And, um, the, um, no stomach pain afterwards, nothing. Like it was fine, like a hundred percent fine. And I was like, man, that is awesome. Like it made it past my stomach and I never felt sick ever. And, um, and usually I'll start feeling sick if I try to do that much, uh, uh, uh fuel. And so imagine this is like three gels an hour, <laughs> you know? And then, um, uh, then the other thing is, that was interesting is that glass of wine had no effect on me, um, like alcohol wise, like I felt nothing. And that's a really good indicator that your blood sugar is nice and high. And if you got fuel in you and everything, because alcohol on an empty stomach will, um, will, uh, make you dizzy, but alcohol on a full stomach, you know, uh, nothing. Right. So I was banking calories ready to keep going. And then, um, now it's several hours later. I feel great. You can tell I feel great. I'm not craving any salt. So it was salt stick. Uh, the uh, uh, hornet juice mixed okay with it. And the um, the fact it made it past my stomach. Do I have any other notes? Um, I'm going to be sore as crap tomorrow. <laughs> Probably for a couple of days. But on that's also... Um, uh, a thumbs up, I forgot the word I'm trying to use, a thumbs up towards the fuel. The fuel was allowing me to really work out hard and um, with no problems whatsoever. So again, it's it's Martin stuff. It's um, it's pretty expensive. And uh, unless they uh, reach out and contact me and start uh, wanting to sponsor, I might do some um, experimentation and see if I can make this stuff myself because the ingredients are actually pretty common and it should be fun. All right. So that is it about Martin. And, um, I got to get back to the house. We've got things to do. We got to get Kai ready for school tomorrow and all kinds of good stuff. I got to clean up my car. My car's a mess still from camping last weekend. All right. That's it out bang. All right. We are going to get started with the Velosurance bike insurance bike tip of the week. I've been doing a bike of the week you know, just kind of highlighting one of these uh, super bikes or a really cool bike uh, that's out there that you ought to check out. And I'm kind of like, well, you know what? Let's um, let's diverge from that here in the Zentri Mobile Studios, hit the road. And uh, let's talk about a, a bike tip instead, one that everybody can use. And even if you can't use this one, you need to know about it so that you can tell your friends whenever you see this happening. All right, this one gets all sciency. It's uh, actually really cool. Um, 
if you get an electrical charge building between two different materials and then you add in chemicals like sweat, water, urine. <laughs> oh, that should be my next that should be next week's bike tip of the week on whether or not you should pee on the bike while racing. There's definitely a and it depends on that one, which is so zen. But back to the uh, the one of the moment here. Uh, the moving of electrons, I believe, is what's going on from one material to the other, if they're very different materials, uh, can cause um, a buildup uh, and, a, and almost weld uh, materials together. And then you can't move them anymore. And you would think, so? I can't think of anything like that. Oh, but... Yours truly experienced this at a nightmarish level uh, not too long ago with his own uh, new bike. It is carbon and aluminum are apparently at far ends of the of this spectrum, and because they're so far apart from each other material-wise, uh, they can uh, cause this uh, fusion. And it's the seat post and frame. So if you have a carbon seat post, a lot of people have carbon seat post and an alloy frame, or if you have an alloy frame or a, uh, a carbon frame and an alloy seat post, you really need to watch out for this. And your seat post can get locked into position uh, and you will never be able to move it ever, 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 ever. And my trek speed concept i have a 7.5 the 9.0 has a carbon frame and a carbon seat post but the 7.5 carbon frame alloy seat post which my bike shop said they actually prefer because they can clamp down on it it doesn't add much weight at all if any and they um they said they can clamp down on it uh in the in the bike stand and it'll uh and without worry about crushing any carbon. Well, after a summer of riding it here in Texas with lots of sweat, I mean, lots and lots of sweat, and in the rain and stuff, I don't remember if I peed on it or not, but the, um, it actually wasn't all that long. It was like maybe a month or two. I went to adjust my seat post, and it would not move. And I was like, what the hell? And I started looking it up, found out that this is really bad. And they're like, well, carbon paste, or there's, there's like a, a paste you can put in it to prevent this. But guess what? That stuff wears off. It moves. It washes away, especially with water and stuff. And uh, it's, is, it, is it electrolysis is the process I'm talking about? But anyway... This is bad, bad stuff. And when I realized what was happening, it freaked me out because this was my new bike and uh, a very expensive repair. Does Velo Insurance cover this one? I don't know. (laughs) It might not. (laughs) We'll have to ask. But anyway, I had to take a rubber sledgehammer, a mallet, I should say, and hammer away at my bike, but just hard enough to not break the carbon, but 
think it was two days of pouring um, solution, some kind of, I forgot what the chemical was, to try to break apart the, uh, the bonding that had happened and break apart the, um, the fusion that was going on, the super glue that was welding the two materials together. I mean, it was crazy. And uh, finally, I got it to move a little bit. And once I got it to move a little bit, I knew I was on the uh, winning uh, slope there. And then, uh, downhill slope. And then, when I finally got the, the post out, the amount of oxide, it's basically, it's got rust as an oxide. And the, uh, the amount of oxide in there that was trying to bond between the two was really uh, incredible. So, you need to know about this. <laughs> and on my, um, my to-do list, once a month on my calendar, I've got move your bike saddle up and down. That's all I do. So I've got a rubber band on my seat post. And, so I, and I roll it down to where it matches with the... Um, where it matches with the uh, with the height of the top tube so I know where my seat my saddle should be my seat post height should be and then I lift my seat up about an inch and then I slide it back down an inch and I kind of feel does it still have that lubricant in there to try to avoid that bonding again and I use uh, lithium grease in there to, to try to keep it from the bonding all the research I did was lots of people saying, oh yeah, that happened to my bike, and now I've got a bike with a fixed seat post height. Or you can cut off the seat post, if it's a round seat post, and put a narrower, th uh, smaller diameter seat post inside of it, but that's, uh, you've kind of ruined your frame, pretty much, and it's totally avoidable. And my bike shop put my bike together, so they and they're experts and they still did this by accident and didn't tell me about it didn't think of it so it could happen to you too even if uh, you know what you're doing so i thought i'd put that out there that this is a thing oh and the other thing that made it so much worse was my seat posts uh on these triathlon bikes your seat post is usually and nowadays more and more of them are wedge shaped they're airfoil shaped so they're not round so you can't spin this you can't grab the saddle and twist it to try to get some leverage on this thing and move it around you don't even theoretically you wouldn't even need to lift your seat post up and down you just need to spin it back and forth just a little bit wiggle it to make sure it's not um, bonding but in uh, in my case I couldn't do that and because it's uh, airfoil shaped. The amount of surface area, the amount of contact area between the um, the seat post and the frame was, I don't know, four times as much as a regular seat post. So when it started to bond, it really wanted to bond. So this is what you need to do. I don't like to tell. I don't like to complain without solutions. Go look at your bikes, find out if they're mixed materials, seat post and frame. If they are, you're running a risk. 
and then if and uh, if they're not, don't worry about it. If they are, you're running a risk. If you ride your bike a lot, put lube in there. Put something on your calendar to remind you to check it. And then also let your friends know and save other people from the, the horror of having to hammer on their bike hoping that it uh, comes apart. It was, oh my gosh, it was so terrible, guys. I was so angry and so upset and so frustrated and so, um, yeah, just upset. I didn't know what to do. How could this be happening? That was at that point. Like, how could this be happening? And um, if you got loved ones, you know, tell them and uh, maybe uh, by spreading the word around because uh, it seems like I hadn't, I'd forgot, I'd been told one time so long ago and it never even crossed my mind again. I just figured it was taken care of uh, by uh, by the lube that the bike shop put in there and I never have to worry about it. So that was not the case. All right. So that is your Velosurance bike tip of the week. Velosurance bike insurance is the bike insurance company given to us by cyclists. It's run by cyclists. It's been run by cyclists for a long time. Thousands and thousands and thousands of cyclists are insured by Velosurance bike insurance. They are your bike insurance company that will help you cover your bike for racing, for travel, for theft, when it's out and about, for damage, uh, let's say it's on the back of your car, let's say uh, you're out on a training ride and uh, you slip and uh, hit the pavement and then you break your handlebars, you need to replace stuff, you really, really, really don't want to have to replace your whole bike out of pocket. And that's what insurance does. You pay a little bit per month. And then if something bad happens, then you can replace the whole bike a whole lot easier instead of uh, going, oh crap, now I have no bike. See, that's the big thing. As a triathlete, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a triathlete and you probably have invested a lot of money and time into a bike and into racing. What if something happened to your bike uh, a month out from racing and now you've, uh, from your big race that you've been training for for a year and then now you need to replace it. And I would say, let's say this is the big year and you're going to try to qualify for Kona. Like you're really into it. You're going to, or you're doing your very first Ironman, right? Get some bike insurance so that you have your bases covered so that when something happens, um, you can, and it happens, man, it happens all the time. Tons and tons of bike wrecks, tons and tons of damage, tons of crazy stuff. Theft, like I said, oh my gosh. So anyway, Bell Assurance is run by cyclists and they um, they know where you come from and they can cover you. So send Dave at Velosurance, V-E-L-O, Assurance, Dave at Velosurance.com, an email. Tell him you came from Zentri and that you are interested in getting a quote. Just get a quote. Get a quote. And they have all different kinds of coverages and policies and stuff. They can, I think they uh, travel, uh, they cover things out of the country. If you're traveling out of the country, wouldn't that be cool? Anyway, that's it. All right. 
let's go ahead and get back to the rest of the show. Here we go. All right, we are on the way to the pool. We have survived the great frozen Armageddon <laughs> for the winter, hopefully. Oh, somebody's car door is wide open. I hope they didn't leave it that way on purpose. Driving through my neighborhood. And usually I stop and close those things for people. But um, let's see, we had degrees in the teens Fahrenheit many degrees below zero um, and I still went out running in it and actually yesterday it was just above freezing and I actually thought it was kind of warm because <laughs> I got so used to to running in the in the uh, in Texas we say freezing ass cold oh man hold on I gotta turn I gotta drink my coffee and I'm trying um See, I'm trying some fuel, Martin, M-A-U-R-T-E-N. I went and bought it myself to try it out. I haven't had it on long workouts yet, and that's really what it's for. Actually, long, hot, hot workouts. But so far, I've tested it for one-hour workouts and uh, to see if it um, you know, goes okay on the stomach. But I haven't tried it at full throttle, the, the volume that you can actually take. I've taken about half to a third of the amount of calories, like 100 to 150 calories per hour. But anyway, there's some very particular science about that that I'm going to try to replicate in my home lab because it's very interesting stuff. And there's my blinker. Somebody messaged me and said that they heard my blinker. Yeah, this podcast is put on by a real triathlete. (laughs) We record while we drive. The beauty of triathlon, and this is what I told my father, who's a, a... was a fantastic uh, engineer that built hospitals and skyscrapers and stuff that he uh, that the beauty of triathlon is discovering how how to be super productive because there's no way to do it unless you are really on top of your stuff and it pushes your life to the limit and to record this podcast you've got to multitask in a way, um, but also you've got to do it well. You can't just, you know, it's not like junk miles. It's got to be quality. And so I record while I drive. And by the way, listen to Paleo Pod. No, not Paleo. I'm not big into that. Uh, Paleo Treats podcast with Nick N I K, and he goes on about stuff, and it's really, really good. Um, he's a, uh, he's run the Leadville 100 and then I start to figure out that he's actually a Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL. And I didn't, I don't think I knew that. And I think he's been a guest on my podcast before, but anyway, paleo treats make snacks that are less uh, sugary, more uh, whole food. And his... I, I took a picture of it and tweeted it on Instagram, Zen Triathlon on Instagram of uh, the, his podcast episode, uh, whatever episode it was. And his mindset on accomplishing goals, getting things done, not being afraid, uh, all that stuff was really, really good. You ought to listen to that. Okay. Let's see. Oh, we survived the cold, uh, just trained right on through it. 
it was fun going to work and people were like oh my god it's so cold i can't go outside and i'm like yeah it is cold and they're like yeah did you go out and run in that <laughs> and i'm like actually i did like, oh my god it's like it was awesome it was amazing it was super super cool we had uh lots of catastrophes dog fell in the pool <laughs> had to blow dry him off that's on uh, instagram um <clears throat> i told emily not to freak out he's a labrador retriever they're meant for jumping in cold water and retrieving fishing nets. That's what they were bred for. So he'll be all right. But yeah, we do need to dry him off as soon as we can. And ice on everything. This wasn't like the snow, snowmageddon a few days back. But um, this was just sub-freezing, well below freezing. And uh, Texas isn't really built for that. We have a lot of exposed pipes, south central Texas. We have a lot of exposed pipes. This could cause a lot of problems. So we just have to uh, stay on top of it. All right, see I'm pulling into the pool. That was a short drive, wasn't it? Gotta like that. And I wanna talk about Zen Key. I don't think I talked about it yet. So, uh, and this is gonna be a two-parter here because I'm gonna go to the pool and go swim, but uh, Dogen, uh, is this Japanese there's so much written about him uh, 12th century Japanese monk who went over to China because he felt that uh, Zen Zen Buddhism over in Japan was uh, not doing it right anymore so he went over to China and studied with the Chinese uh, the, uh, the keepers of the real Zen quote unquote and then came back and uh, re-released Zen uh, 2.0 back and was it was hugely popular he's um, he, he was one of the founders or the founder of the Soto school so Zen is usually Soto or Rinzai are the two schools and the two surviving schools there's lots just like uh, Christianity there's like lots and lots of different sects of Zen so like Christianity has Episcopalian Lutheran Baptist uh, they all believe in their particular thing Zen has the same thing. Buddhism has the same thing. Zen is a sect of Buddhism. And within Zen, there's different uh, pieces of that. But anyway, it was uh, Soto Zen, which is called like Farmer Zen instead of Warrior Zen. Is, uh, it's much more peaceful and simple. And that's what made it first over into the Western Hemisphere and the, uh, like to America. And then he, uh, and it's because it, it's more appealing to us. It's stripped down and without all the cultural things. And of course we can't understand all their, all their cultural things. So the stripped down version works really well over here. Sip of coffee. Hold on. So anyway, Dogen wrote Shobo Ginzo. And Shobo Ginzo is uh, an amazing piece of work all about what he learned from over there and brought back to Japan. And then he, um, oh, well, there's a whole lot. Uh, there's a whole lot about Dogen. You ought to read uh, Dogen's stuff. Or there's audio books, Shobo Ginzo, there's YouTube videos. It's really good. And it makes a lot of sense to us over here and our life problems. It's very applicable. And the, um, the thing about Zen, Zenki, well, the thing about Zenki is I'm late 
for my swim. So I got to leave and come right back. Hold on just a second. All right, we are done with the swim. I'll give you numbers and methods here in a minute, but let's wrap up the Zen, Zen key thing. I was just talking to the girl at the front desk, trying to talk her into being on the triathlon team. <laughs> She's an ex-swimmer, and I was like, oh man, it's fun. You got the hard part down. All right, getting this in Tri-Mobile Studios. So, Dogen wrote about, real briefly, about this thing called uh, Zen Key. And there's at least two different meanings of the word Zen in uh, Japanese. But this, they're very similar to me. They, they seem to be. But Zen, in this case, Zen Key is Z E N K I. And it might be one word. And Zen means, in this case, means the universe or the entirety, uh, everything, big picture, and then key means um, system. So, you know, you can have like a partial system or a complete system or a closed system, open system. Oh, there's a ton of ice out here. Woohoo! Just drove through it. Um, and Zen key means a completed system or com maybe, maybe it means complete the system but anyway a great way to describe it another Zen master did much later probably Suzuki Roshi which is uh, or DT Suzuki I forgot his name but anyway <clears throat> a bicycle oh uh because uh, bicycles are way more modern than 12th century Japan. But uh, Dogen wrote about a boat. A boat, I explained this to Kai, my son, and he got it. So it's not, it's not terribly difficult to grasp. A boat isn't a boat unless it's transporting. Its function is part of its name. In fact, you can almost use it as a verb. You can boat somewhere, right? You can ship something, get it? You ship it, well that definitely comes from the term back when they everything went by boat so you ship it and so a ship isn't a complete system unless it's doing its action and also a bicycle a bike isn't a bicycle really it isn't a complete system until the human is sitting on top of it you know the bicycle's motor is you and the whole point of this is that you can find flow, zen, happiness, enlightenment, engagement, uh, work on yourself, and enjoyment in life uh, if you try to work with zen key. Find things that don't realize and find... You have to realize first or find first. Find and then realize things that are Zen key and do them running. Oh, you're running shoes, right? And do them. And then as you are doing it, you are part of a complete system that makes the universe whole. You feel like you have purpose in the world. And you, you are completing its purpose and therefore you feel 
good about whatever you're doing. And then with that engagement and that focus, you kind of have to focus to do it. And that focus is uh, meditation time. All right, let's uh, jump over from that over to the swim. I was talking on slowtwitch.com forums last night and a totally different thread about a doper cheater and drafter cheater, like two in one, this guy. But uh, it diverged into swimming and um, the zen of swimming. One one thing uh, to do is swim long and then uh, lose track of time. I'm going to go into this into a, another podcast. Uh, you got time on your wrist. So every once in a while you look at your wrist, kind of make sure. But swim long sets, like 20 minutes, at least. At least 20 minutes. It's got to be so long that you forget <laughs> that your brain gives up and then your mind starts to wander. And then that's, uh, that's where um, you can kind of go into this meditation zone and start thinking of things that you should do. And th- that thing yesterday that you can take care of today, that thing that came up. Emily's car broke down yesterday. It just needed some power steering fluids. I was thinking while I was swimming, what do I do about that? You know, is she going to take her car to the place, the oil change place, and get that all topped off? You know, I need to stay on her that today. So anyway, I'm going to save that for another podcast. But uh, I swam three blocks of 20 minutes, and I was sipping on this Martin Fuel, more Martin. And M-A-U-R-T-E-N. And it's all right. Maybe just like too high powered. Like, and I'm only doing 150 calories of it total. So it may like spike the blood sugar and then you feel kind of hollow. It was okay. I've noticed with the UCAN, a uh, scoop of UCAN in my, in my swim, I do great. But then UCAN gives me a little bit of gas the next uh, couple days. So I haven't really quite uh, nailed that one yet. <coughs> But anyway, let's see. What's on the watch? Um, I have my Garmin 920 set to three data data fields. I only use one screen. And it is uh, the big one on top, two little ones on the bottom, underneath, that are half that size. And the top one is elapsed time. And that's where I total elapsed time. That's where I keep track of, uh, you know, how many minutes I swam. If it's eight and a half minutes I know that if I want to sprint the last 100 yards or so of my 20 minutes that uh, I need to get on it and then the two little fields are is our um, the left one bottom left I have time of day that way I can be like uh, dude <laughs> you need to get out of the pool and get to work you're taking too long right that's just handy to have And then the bottom right is current lap pace. Now, if I swim for an hour nonstop, you know, that's the whole hour. What is my my average pace for the whole hour? But um, I found that uh, stopping and hitting stop on the watch every 20 minutes, for example, if you want to do this kind of thing, um, that resets. And then when you hit start to start another uh, lap, to start another block of 20 minutes, then that uh, resets your lap pace. And then later when you look at it on Strava or uh, Garmin Connect or Training Peaks, you can see, um, you know, 20 minute block, you averaged 
this pace, this 20 minute block you average this pace, and this 20 minute block you average this pace. And it is just, it's just a nicer. And I found that um, with just those metrics that you can really sink deep into a swim and lose track of time. But I was kind of slow today and I was slow yesterday and I'm trying to figure out why because when I do the beep interval where I try to stay on a beep, it's annoying. Um, it's a little bit stressful. And uh, I think my next swim, I'm going to count strokes as I cross the pool because that seems to be a metric that I don't mind doing at the moment and uh, keeps me honest and keeps me pulling. If I start slacking off, then it takes... If my form starts coming apart, then it takes more strokes. And there's something about it where it makes me want to get across in the fewest amount of strokes, so then I pull a little bit harder, and my effort seems to be a little bit even, more even. So I'm going to work on that uh, on my next swim. Now, this weekend, I'm planning on doing a long training block and testing out this Morton fuel and um, seeing how it goes with uh, a lot of calories over many hours. And uh, if that's a much better um, fueling system. And also, it's just going to be nice for it not to be um, sub-zero <laughs> temperatures outside. I'll still ride the bike on the trainer, but um, I'm going to not have to look like an Eskimo whenever I go out uh, running. It should be nice. All right, that's it. I got to go into W to the ERK. Keep it real. Out, Bing. All right, homies, let's wrap up this show. I just walked out of Freebirds, my burrito sponsor. <laughs> I haven't done a self-supported Ironman in a couple years now, but um, when I do, I get them to cater it for all the people that are hanging out, and they love it. And so they give me a free burrito on occasion when I go in there. So I need to mention them. We got a relationship. <laughs> I... Uh, I mentioned them and tried to send people to Freebirds because it is insanely good burritos and you get to make them custom. The people behind the counter make the burrito how you want it. So good. And uh, kind of like Chipotle, but actually uh, really, really good tasting and you have much more control over uh, what goes in it and how much. I mean, and there's way more ingredients and you got, yeah, it's just way better. So anyways, Freebirds. Check them out. They are uh, spreading across the country. They've been around forever, but um, they are uh, expanding on occasion to another city. I think one of the latest cities was Nashville, maybe uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. I don't know. But anyway, there's three. That was a weird sound. Three or four of them here at Justin College Station. This is where they got started. Okay, we need to also mention that the back of my knees are killing me. The, um, I guess it's your hamstrings, uh, but where it connects to the, uh, to the back of your, back of your knee, um, mine are so sore and so tight. If I sit down for any amount of time and then stand up, they just crunch up. It's unbelievably painful. Um, uh, it'll go away. I'm not worried about it too much. It's just, oh, I, I look like, uh, I look like Frankenstein when I start walking, but Let's see. Oh, that's the upside of that. The good sign is that this minute I was able to go so much harder than usual on my weekend workouts uh, this last weekend 
uh, because of my fueling. So when I was talking about how good that fuel was, I knew I was going to be sore. I didn't know I was going to be sore like this in this one spot because, oh my gosh, it makes walking terrible. Um, because I was able to apply more energy and more power and my, um, my body wasn't ready for it. You got to work up to these kind of things when it comes to tendons and, and such. Okay, we also need to along with wrapping up the show, mentioned donations and, uh, and Rita bars. Uh, I was camping not last weekend, but the weekend before, and it was super cold and we, uh, had some cliff bars in my, um, in my bag. Emily packed some food for us and it was me and, and, uh, yeah, one of the other dads, we bit in at the same time to our own, uh, cliff bars. <laughs> and the other, the other dad goes, ah, oh my God, this is hard. And cliff bars get really hard when they're cold. And Amrita bars do not. Amrita bars rock. Uh, they are made out of dates instead of grains. And so if you're big on the uh, no grains kind of stuff, Amrita bars are your friends. And let's see, it's A-M-R-I-T-A, Amrita bar. And they are at amritahealthfoods.com. And you can get a discount code right here. It is Zen, 15% off of orders. It might be Zen 2018. It might be Zen 2019. I'm about to talk with the owner. Uh, he and I are, are uh, acquaintances, uh, friends. I really like him a lot. And um, he's a cyclist, and he started this company for um, for his son actually was having uh, food issues. And so they created health foods at home that were a whole lot better for him and then uh, they ended up making one into a bar and selling it and he quit his job and started making these amrita bars and that's what he does it's pretty cool and like i said amrita bars they don't freeze they uh, reduce inflammation uh, because they're very low in allergens in fact they have no nuts in them so if you uh, have a nut allergy these have seeds instead so they're nut allergy free and they're just awesome, man. They're really, really good. And now they have these little bags of um, like a third size Amrita bars or like little discs. And so you can just have a little one and just get them out of a grab bag. It's pretty cool. And I wear their kit a lot. And you know it's made by cyclists because they have cycling kits. And uh, you really stand out. I got a lot of pictures of me racing with the Amrita kit on. I really like it. Okay, let's see. Again, discount code gets you 15% off. Try Zen. Zen 2018 and maybe Zen 2019 or 2017 uh, here, depending on uh, what we got going on with them and our arrangements. Okay, also Hornet juice and donations. I mentioned earlier that I used Hornet juice in my fuel on one of the days, and that's that's what powered me to blow out my legs. And um, Hornet juice is on the right side of ZenTriathlon.com. You can go there, get something for yourself, something fun. It also helps support the show. And you get an email from me. I sent one out this morning and it said, howdy, thank you for ordering your Hornet juice. And it went out to Greece. <laughs> I'm sure he's like, what is this howdy stuff? But I'm in Texas and that's how we talk sometimes. It's kind of fun. It's just like instead of uh, sir, ma'am, y'all, hello, uh, everybody, uh, howdy works pretty good. And then... On Oh, so go on the uh, right side of zentrathlon.com, scroll down, and you can find a link. And then for the uh, for your Hornet juice, and it's like diesel fuel. It's awesome. It makes you 
just have unending energy. It's great. And then on the left side of the page are uh, donations and you can do a one-time or recurring and if you send in donations i'll read your name just like this right now derek riddell brett hoyer best first name in triathlon jonathan woodman karen jackson simon wright daniel clemens michael Radogna, justice phillips pablo cacho he's kind of a new one and uh i like i like pablo that sounds cool that's a that's a cool sounding name uh william smith not will smith Maybe, maybe not. I don't know if he does triathlons. Uh, John Mulan, Tanya Roy, Hun Chu, Hans Henrik Madsen. Or is it Madsen, Hans Henrik? I don't know. James Godek, Peter Salzen, 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 uh, Michael Wilkinson, Matt Heinz, who I just spoke to today. I'll, I'll mention that here in a second. What we talked about, it was really good. And Favia, Katie Joe. So again, thank you for your support. If you donate to the show, and I read because I read your names all the time, I recognize your name. You send me a question about how to do something, and I will tell you how because um, I owe you because you help support the show. And I've been a um, a USAT certified coach for years. Uh, I've been doing triathlons forever and ever and ever. Been doing the short distance, long distance. Uh, so your questions are easy not easy for me to answer. Uh, some of them are difficult, but, um, they're fun for me to answer. I usually know what the answer is. And if I don't know, I know who to, uh, point you towards. And so that you can find out. And a lot of answers, it kind of depends, you know, it depends on your goals and it depends on you, where you are with your training and uh, where you live and all that and the race that you want to do or the goal that you've got. Okay. Now let's see. Matt Heinz messaged me on Twitter. A private message earlier this morning uh, asking about what's up with um, these videos I post on it. They get cross-posted to, to uh, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram. So, um, and then the Facebook. I don't do Facebook, but it's all, it's all linked. And he asked, why do you have your Garmin running at the same time you're doing Strava, so not Strava, uh, Zwift, which is the biking video game that your your uh, bike trainer controls. So the reason you would ask this is because you don't need a bike computer if you're riding Zwift. It's Zwift on your computer or your iPad or whatever you're using is um, is collecting all these numbers anyway. And you just hit done on Zwift, and then Zwift uploads it to whatever you're storing stuff with Strava. training peaks strava is not a coaching platform and it's not a training log platform you really need to be using something like training peaks if you're serious but the um the reason is zwift does not show averages and it does not show laps and lap averages you know where you can hit the button and you can kind of get the average that you've been doing recently Um, And that's a big, big, big problem if you're training for triathlon and especially long-distance stuff. Oh, somebody's car alarm's going on. Um, You could get on Zwift and say, I want to go for a medium ride, and and you need like just like a medium ride. You want to go two hours, you want to go three hours and not go too hard. You can't tell if you're going too hard or not. And uh, one of the guys I coach... uh, he messaged me last night, I think it was, and said, um, it was his first time on Zwift and he blew his legs out. 
And it's because Zwift actually has other people on it and you start trying to race them and you start going uphill too hard and this guy just passed you. And believe me, there is the best in the world on Zwift. I'm talking Mark Cavendish, uh, Jordan Rapp, uh, Jesse Thomas. I'm talking pros, Angela Nath. They're on Zwift. These people will rip your bike to pieces around you as they pass you going uphill. It's insane. So then you're like, who's this guy? Because you're used to somebody passing you on the bike, just being somebody that's just around your neighborhood. No, these are not those people. <laughs> there are people on, there's plenty of just normal people, but there's also some ringers on there. And so you start trying, and there's a lot of them actually when they gang up and start riding in packs. It's really crazy to see. So you start, you see a pack over, oh, this happened to me the last time I was on. I saw a pack in the distance and I kept pedaling, trying to catch them. And I could not catch them without going too hard. And also, um, some, you know, a pack passes you and you're like, oh, I want to jump in on the pack. Dude, you can't. They are too good. Even though there's drafting in Zwift, all that stuff, you just can't keep up sometimes. And, uh, and then also it goes uphill and the hills can be really steep if you pick certain courses and, and long and you're just not used to it. So uh, Zwift can tear you up. So what I've what I do in Zwift, I've learned is I do that. I have to do the same thing that I do out on the open road and I have my bike computer running and I have it showing average power, actually normalized power, which is a whole nother discussion, but, uh, average power and then average power for a lap. And you start off at sea level. So what I do is, and let's say I'm targeting, uh, this last time I was targeting like, uh, 260, 270 watts, right? And so I was like, okay, so I'm riding along and um, I see that, um, yeah, I'm 20 minutes in and I'm at 260 watts average, right? And Zwift won't show this. It takes my Garmin bike computer for me to see this. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, this is what I need to be doing. This is nice. And then this pack goes by and I start trying to keep up with them un unconsciously. I'm, I'm just like, oh yeah, I could probably keep up with them, right? That'll be good for me. Well, then my, um, and we're going uphill. And then I noticed that my, um, the, my, my average watts is now climbing. Average is like 280, 283. It starts going, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is too much. And so then when it goes back downhill again, I coast more and then wait for it to wait for the average to drop back down into the 260s. And then I'm like, okay, now start pedaling again. And you have to let these other people just go, right? And then once I'm back down the sea level again, which can depend, it can be a few minutes to like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, when I'm back down the sea level again and my watts average out, I go easy enough on the downhill so that my watts average out to where they need to be. Then I'm at sea level and then I hit reset on the lap right? And now I start looking at my lap watts. Every time I go up and then back down, I want to make sure that my lap watts are um, around uh, my goal. And that will, um, because if you let your average, overall average go too long, it takes a huge amount of work to influence that average. The longer the average has been collecting, you know, it's like, it's just a bigger pile of numbers and it takes uh, huge numbers or tiny numbers for it to influence the average. So that, that average is kind of worthless um, in, in a sense. And so what you do is lap average instead and let your lap average run, you know, five to 30 minutes and then, um, and then just try to keep that under control. And if your last lap was a watt or two 
too high, then you make your next lap uh, a watt or two under your goal, and then that'll average out. Isn't that cool? It works great. So um, that's all that stuff about what Matt was asking about. And um, I figured, I found out that once I started doing that, then my uh, Zwift rides were a whole lot more under control. And also, I don't know how long it's going to be like this because, um, what's his name? Uh, Jordan Rapp now works for Zwift. And he's on the Slow Twitch forums and a Slow Twitch forum thread. I think I started it. Asked, hey, what's going on with Zwift? Why don't we have averages? How do I show averages? And then people said, oh, you can't. And then somebody suggested, hey, ride with your bike computer. That's why I ride with mine so that I can watch my averages because that's what triathletes need to do. Um, if you're just a typical roadie, you probably just ought to keep up. <laughs> and uh, so we mentioned Jordan's name a bunch of times so he'd see the thread, but then I never saw if he actually was going to do anything about it. But hopefully he saw the thread and then told um, the uppity-ups at Zwift to add in those... Um, those metrics at the top so you can see your averages um, and have better uh, better rides without getting blown up okay that is it uh i think yeah i think that's it for an episode this was a good episode thanks everybody for uh joining in i'll let y'all go everybody stay safe out there work the uphills cruise the downhills and keep the rubber side down out <laughs>